Hello and welcome to episode 29 of Unmasking the Abuser, the podcast. You're in the right place if you're looking for in-depth knowledge on specific manipulation tactics used by abusers. This is the only place you'll find it. I'm Dr. Dina McMillan. If you've listened before, you know I'm a social psychologist and a relationship consultant. I'm also an expert in domestic abuse and violence, both prevention and improved response. The cunning strategies and moves I expose in these podcasts are relevant for all types of harmful manipulation. I refer to this new ability as a superpower. It enables you to spot key information other people miss. The knowledge can shield you from being used, abused, or exploited, whatever your link to its source. Whether it's in your romantic relationship, your family, some of your friendships, your employer or work colleagues, and even from the wider culture. Now, last episode was called About Abusers Examining Change. I told you then that the question, will he change, is the most common question I get from people involved with abusers. We began exploring that with valuable insight from Kevin Terrence from the Department of Children and Families in Florida. Kevin's been placed in charge of the Batterer's Intervention Programs for the entire state of Florida. He's a smart guy who's worked in the field for more than 30 years. He understands the good, the bad, and the ugly. I know you're interested in whether the abuser can change. What you should also be considering is what you need to change. This episode is really about change and you. What do you need to know and do to fundamentally grow and change yourself? I'll provide you with the most useful advice I could find in this episode. This is especially relevant if you've been involved with an abuser for two years or more, or if you've had more than one relationship with an abuser of any kind, emotional, verbal, physical, or financial. Whether you realize it or not, those relationships created a harmful shift in your thinking, your views of yourself, and your expectations. These need to be overcome. That's going to require some effort from you. But knowledge about change isn't only relevant to victims, survivors, and even abusers themselves. These insights are relevant to anyone listening. We all have room to improve and grow. Take advantage of the research I did for my books and courses. I'm going to break it down into a few simple, effective steps. I'll also tell you where I got the information in case you want to do your own research. Before we dive in, I want to mention two things. First, I want you to know I'm soon going to broadcast this podcast series on YouTube. This means you'll still be able to listen on the podcast platform you're using right now and also be able to see me discuss these issues and interview guests on YouTube. 
For those of you who've contacted me about topics you'd like discussed, it gives us new options. I'm going to widen the scope and let other experts talk about a range of issues that interest you. If you have any topics you'd like to hear on these episodes, please email me at unmaskingpodcast at gmail.com. That's unmaskingpodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. The second thing I want to mention is that my next book, Fascination with the Devil, Why Women Love Emotionally Dangerous Men, is due to be released in early 2023. This book offers insights into a range of difficult men as romantic partners, including abusers. It also discusses cheaters, bad boy rebels, commitment phobic men, and a type I've labeled intense burnouts. These are men fixated on that first phase of romantic love. Once the relationship begins to shift at all, as it does naturally, they reject it and their partner completely. Poof. Gone. All categories of men in the book cause enormous emotional pain to women. Be on the lookout as I also began using some of the chapters in Fascination with the Devil as the topics for this podcast. In the meantime, let's discuss the all-important issue of making fundamental changes to your outlook and your outcomes. So how do you do it? There's lots of advice out there. Some of it tells you to get up before dawn or to take cold showers or create a vision board that you gaze at frequently. I'd advise you to try out different tools to see which ones work for you. What's my opinion on this? Well, when I do media interviews, they always ask me to isolate the most important elements of whatever I'm discussing. I thought about it regarding fundamental lasting change. I'm going to tell you what I think. But before we get into detail, there's a single factor that explains change simply and fundamentally. Are you ready? Let's get to it. You're listening to the Unmasking the Abuser podcast with Dr. Dina McMillan. Today, we're exploring change especially the elements that you need for your own transformation. If you have any questions or comments, please contact me at unmaskingpodcast at gmail.com. That's unmaskingpodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. Researching change. I found the important issue is very layered and complex. We're going to unwrap a few of these layers in this podcast. Let's start with something very basic and at the core. In my discussion with Kevin Terrence last time, he offered quite a few bits of wisdom. But one thing he said really resonated. It clicked in my mind regarding the whole issue around change. 
I was on the active lookout for key points because they can make it simpler. Every resource I found emphasized the easier you make something seem, the more likely you are to start moving forward and persist even when the challenges arise, as they will. Here's what Kevin said when he was talking about his interactions with men who commit violence against their partners. Here he was discussing men who've choked their partner and later try to find excuses for what they did. You made the choice to reach for her throat and you grabbed it. Did you also pick up the core point Kevin was making there? He used the word choice. If you think about it, that's all change really is. It's consistently making different choices than you made in the past. If you're smart, those choices are more considered than they were before. You'll think more and spontaneously react less. You'll resist getting caught up in other people's dramas. You'll learn to calm yourself before taking action yourself. And you'll base your responses on what you think is best. You won't let your temporary feelings or emotions drive your behavior. You'll consider the wisest course of action in this case, not just for now, but into the future. Then you'll be like the Nike ad and just do it. At its heart, change is fairly simple. It's not necessarily easy, but it's simple. And it's tied into something else that may or may not be included in the material you find on change. Self-talk. As you consider everything else being mentioned today and in the materials you find yourself, Consider the effectiveness of all of it is based on what you say to yourself. After all, before you take action, you make an interpretation and then you prod yourself to do something. How are you interpreting what's going on in your life in your own mind? Forget other people's opinions for a second. What do you think? And what do you say about yourself to yourself? Do you encourage yourself saying, you can do this, don't give up? Or do you say things like, oh, you're so clumsy, or you're an idiot, or a guy like that would never want you? Even before you see differences in your life based on your new choices, you'll know you've changed when you talk to yourself differently, when you interpret events in a more rational way, when you don't claim anything you don't want to keep. By that, I mean you'll become very wary of saying, I am, I do, or especially, I always, unless it's empowering and part of the new you that you want to keep going forward. Now, I promise I'm going to get to the three most critical aspects to lasting change that I was able to find. But before I do, 
Here's some additional general advice that can increase your success. Then I'll lay out those three factors you can start doing right now to improve your life significantly. Hopefully you're not still thinking to yourself, why should I worry about change? I'm a nice person. It's my current or former partner that needs to change. Well, yes, he does. But unless you're claiming to be perfect, there's always room for improvement. Even without ever meeting you, let's look at a few things about yourself that could probably use some adjustment. Number one, your taste in men. Yes, I went there. And if you're listening to this podcast with other people and they're giving you the look, then this applies to you whether you want to admit it or not. Now, if you're listening to this podcast series to help someone else who's being abused, then in that case, this point isn't for you. For most women listening to this podcast, changing your taste in men should be a priority. This is especially true if you've been involved with an abuser for two years or more, or if you've been involved with more than one abuser. In those cases, your brain has adapted to being in a relationship with someone who mistreats you and demeans you. This makes you far more likely to be drawn back into the original relationship or to get involved with another abuser. It's worth making the effort so toxic men of all types completely lose their appeal. Number two. You probably need to shift your beliefs about yourself, including your worth, as a romantic partner. Most of us are self-conscious about our flaws, our weaknesses, and our value compared to other people. If you had an abusive partner, he exploited those insecurities and, in fact, did everything to maximize them. This allowed him to increase his control over you. Even if he's long gone, abusers are like emotional tornadoes. They leave widespread damage behind. Your perception of your value will need to be healed. Number three, you should reconsider your goals and dreams. Not just now, but six months from now, and a year from now, when the change that you put in place becomes more set. You probably wanted a bright future when you got involved with an abuser. At first, he probably used clever techniques to build those up. Then, he also led you to believe you were unable or unworthy of achieving those goals for yourself. He made you believe staying with him was your only road to happily ever after. Let's switch that around. Figure out what you want for yourself and put yourself on the path to making it happen. So what do you do? You get prepared for success. There are some things to put in place before or even at the same time you're taking consistent action to improve your life. 
Okay? Prep one. It's no accident that programs designed to help people control serious addictions also stress belief in a higher power. I promise it's worthwhile to put energy into some type of mindfulness or spiritual practice. I won't recommend any specific belief system. That's for you to determine for yourself. It can be a traditional religion, a meditation practice, yoga, Buddhism, even following philosophy like Eckhart Tolle's Essential Teachings or Deepak Chopra's works. What you're looking for is something that continues to remind you that you're more than your physical body and your current circumstances. You want something that helps you stand back from events and consider everything that happens from a calmer, more considered perspective. You want something you can turn to for support in a crisis that moves you out of your own way. Prep two, be ready for what's coming. By that, I mean real change is going to uproot your current belief system and that's going to hurt. You need to brace yourself and be ready for that. Sometimes people think if something hurts, that means you should stop doing it. Not in this case. Depending on what you're shifting and how deep-rooted it is, you know going in, it could get very painful to let those beliefs, standards, and even some relationships go. If any of them are self or other destructive, you're going to experience what Kevin Terrence described as, quote, agony, repugnancy, and deep feelings of self-doubt, end quote. Think of it all as growing pains, and don't let it stop you. Think of it like the distress felt by a caterpillar before it transforms into a butterfly. Having that spiritual practice that calms you and reassures you can help you move through the discomfort and stay on the path. Prep three, I'd also recommend you write down what you want to change. Jim Quick, a mind expert whose work I highly recommend, talks about the importance of putting pen to paper. This is reaffirmed by a number of studies and sources. Your brain processes information more fully and on all levels when you write something down. I think it's interesting that typing on your computer or your tablet doesn't seem to set up the same kind of alert within your brain. Give yourself some privacy and space and ask yourself, what do you really want to alter about your life and yourself? Then ask, how do you want to choose differently? Write the list in a journal you can begin using on a regular basis. Keep notes on your efforts, any important events, and whatever comes to mind. Reread it whenever you like, but don't go back and edit later. 
It should be spontaneous and permanent. Do yourself a favor while you're writing. Also keep track of what you're grateful for in your life. It doesn't have to be an extensive list. Just reflect on your blessings and write them down. It will keep you grounded and help you stay motivated. If you live with other people, make sure you find a hiding spot for your journal where you don't fear discovery. It's being done for you to pour out your feelings and thoughts. Self-editing, because you're afraid someone else will read it, defeats the purpose. Don't let anyone else read your journal. Manipulators and abusers are notorious for preaching how people in love shouldn't have secrets, or people who are good or honest or whatever. Your journal isn't secret, it's private, and you're allowed that. Prep 4. You'll also need insights that inspire you and offer practical tips to help you reach your goals. Read books like Limitless by Jim Quick. That's spelled K-W-I-K. Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People is also worthwhile. There are many other resources. Look up the word change in an online bookstore and just scan down. Find material that resonates and that's relevant to your life. If you don't like to read, most books are now available in audio versions. If you're on a budget, go to a local library and check them out. You can also follow some of your favorite authors on social media sites like Instagram. They all post short videos that include their ideas and their work. Prep 5. Seek out reinforcement for your brain. A lot of the resources I just recommended are aimed at your intellect, at your knowledge base. And that's great. But you also need to find creative ways to deeply reinforce the messages in the other parts of the brain. These other sources need to make you feel, either emotionally or in a more primal way. By primal, I mean they make you want to belong or they stir desires. If your change includes making choices that keep you away from a type of situation, find content that makes you fearful or angry about just staying put. Try to focus as much on the positive as possible. Watch films and shows with uplifting messages and who feature the life you want for yourself. Do the same with music, books, and online content, allowing yourself to get swept up in the feeling of belonging in that other world. There's reasoning behind this. It's crucial to embed new perceptions and interaction styles into the parts of your brain that dominate your actions when you're experiencing powerful emotions like love, friendship, family bonds, or primal drives like sexual desire, anger, 
jealousy, or fear. When you're caught up in these experiences, you're actually preparing yourself to make different choices, to not get caught up and swept along by what triggered you before. These new incentives have to be in the same parts of the mind as the feelings you experienced in volatile, real-life circumstances. You're ready to go now. What's next? In the last episode, I mentioned Professor Carol Dweck's work on mindset. That's factor number one in successful, lasting change. You need the right mindset. Professor Dweck's done decades of work on this. Keeping it simple, she's identified just two mindsets held by most people that make a difference in their outcomes. A fixed mindset or a growth mindset. A fixed mindset is certainty that what you are and what you can achieve is already set. Well, if not in stone, then at least in fired clay like pottery. You're convinced your intelligence, personality, and abilities are established and permanent. You are who you are. In contrast, a growth mindset is a belief that's just as firm, but in the opposite direction. It's certainty that you can grow and you can change and you can learn even in areas that you used to think were beyond your abilities. You now understand you can achieve anything if you're willing to put in the work and continue until your skills become polished. Professor Dweck describes adopting a growth mindset as transforming the meaning of effort and difficulty. She shows photographs of the different mindsets using magnetic resonance imaging, known as MRIs. When given a tough problem to solve, a problem where they don't already know the solution, the person with the growth mindset has a brain that lights up in various colors and in a wide range of areas all over the brain. Each arena of the brain is processing information and considering possibilities. These MRIs demonstrate the person with a growth mindset views a tough problem as a challenge and an opportunity to learn something new. It embraces it. When the same type of problem is given to someone with a fixed mindset, their brain remains relatively dark and unengaged on the MRI. It may light up in a few areas, but not widely. This person obviously views the problem as something where they could possibly fail. They fear it because failure would lessen their opinion of themselves. Professor Dweck said something I think you should hear. Quote, When things get tough, people with a fixed mindset are more likely to quit than continue 
and face possible disgrace. If challenges aren't solved easily, they'll find an excuse to throw up their hands and surrender or try to play the system so they appear to succeed. In other words, they'll be inclined to cheat, end quote. This leads me to primary qualities two and three, which along with mindset are also linked to successful change. The two qualities are discipline and integrity. Discipline, as it's used here, simply means sticking with a plan of action, a new set of choices, regardless of your feelings at the time or any outside pressures. Integrity means saying what you'll do and then doing what you say. Honesty and transparency are also tied into integrity. I said discipline is doing what you're supposed to do. It's basically training yourself. It's also effectively preventing yourself from doing something you've identified as harmful or even just not desired anymore. Disciplined action is harder at first, then it becomes easier as these new behaviors, reactions, and responses become ingrained as habits. After a while, they become part of your routine. Keep at it, and the new choices become your default, your go-to response, whenever the relevant situation arises. You won't have to keep reminding yourself to do it. Sticking with it becomes natural. There's something you should know about discipline and change. You've probably heard the saying, nature abhors a vacuum. It means nature always tries to fill an empty space. Your brain operates the same way. It's far more likely for a new discipline to become a habit if it doesn't contain an absence. What this means is simple. Avoid trying to stop a behavior, stopping a choice without finding an alternative to replace it. This is crucial. Let's say you've decided to discipline yourself to put away your phone at a certain time. You've read articles that say it interferes with sleep. If you want to get yourself to do this consistently, you'll need to increase your motivation to stay on the course. This doesn't only have to be positive. Find as much as possible about the harms associated with looking at your phone at night. If you can find some sources that actually frighten you or make you long for what you'll feel inside when you go to sleep and have a good night's sleep, that's even better. Then, find a viable alternative. An interesting book, a relaxing bedtime regimen, or some guided meditation to do before dropping off. Make sure the book is next to your bed, the exercise regimen is printed out and accessible, and the guided meditation isn't on a device with the same type of blue light as your phone, like a tablet or a television. This easy formula works 
with whatever actions you're trying to include in your catalog of change. Decide what you don't want to do anymore. What choice don't you want to make? Then spend some time gaining real clarity on what you'll do instead. Don't make the new behavior too complicated. And find ways to prod yourself so you'll do it consistently. Now let's briefly discuss the third big factor for change. Integrity. Again, integrity is saying what you'll do and then doing what you say. It's being trustworthy. It's reducing dishonesty in your dealings with other people. Having integrity means being reliable. Other people and yourself will know that whenever you say you'll do something or not do something, you'll follow through. Integrity is a core element in trust. It's fundamental for respect. Integrity and discipline go hand in hand, and they're both easy to erode through rationalizations and excuses. If you delay or put off something you promised you'd do, the next time it becomes easier to postpone it or not do it at all. Or if you swore you'd never do something again, but then you backslide and repeat that behavior, that rips up your integrity. Honesty and openness are also central facets of integrity. If you justify telling half-truths or not sharing relevant information with someone who's entitled to know, you'll soon find yourself descending into outright lying. Once you're on that continuum, descent is swift and sure. There goes your integrity again. Thankfully, these character traits are also fairly easy to rebuild. Here's a simple exercise that builds up both discipline and integrity. Ready? Okay. Do whatever you say you'll do, regardless of how you feel. If you said you'll bring home milk at the end of the day and you forgot to get it, immediately go back out again. Don't even stop to think about it. About that self-talk, here's where it comes in handy. Don't let your mind run through justifications about your tough day. If you said you'll do it, make yourself do it. No excuses accepted, even within your own head. Speaking of your own head, this is the principal location where discipline and integrity fit together. Imagine you're in a situation that normally triggers you badly. In the past, you immediately reacted based on your feelings about the people involved or the memories that were stirred. Or you were prodded in a primal way because this situation arouses sexual desire, jealousy, anger, fear, or it makes you feel threatened in some way. With practice, self-awareness, and attention, you'll recognize the physical indicators in your body. If you're smart, you'll direct yourself to take deep breaths, 
calm down and stand back. Once you're calm, you'll reassess the situation. You'll discipline yourself to make better choices even when you're stirred up. You won't allow yourself to react like you did in the past. You're making different choices now. Remember, you're making better choices. Helping you is the fact you've found self-soothing exercises and mental reframing drills to repeat in your mind just for circumstances like this. These help you reconsider the situation from different angles, not only from your reactions. You wait for your heart rate to slow a little. You know this means those emergency hormones that try to nudge you into acting impulsively will also be slowing. You've practiced this, and you've decided to bring that practice into the choices you make in real life. What will help you do that? Discipline plus integrity. When a volatile situation occurs in real life, you're both the participant and the witness. When something happens, you observe what's occurring and your self-talk will interpret what it means. With practice, this should also include paying attention to what you're experiencing in your body. Regardless of your physical responses, you can learn a better way to deal with these situations. When you command yourself to calm down and use your new skills, the integrity you've built means you take yourself seriously. You believe your new, more rational observations and trust your more objective interpretations. You remind yourself you've made a firm choice not to let your emotions or the reactions in your body spur you to react impulsively. You'll retain control by reminding yourself you've prepared for this. You're disciplined enough now to put your new choices in action. You'll demonstrate to yourself and everyone else involved that you've got this. You may have thought you built your integrity to increase the respect and trust you get from other people, and it will do that. But what's even more important is the respect and trust you'll give yourself. So what do you think? Are you feeling inspired now to make changes you've been avoiding making in the past? Are you convinced now that you can do it and succeed? Keep me posted on your efforts. Contact me at unmaskingpodcast at gmail.com. That's unmaskingpodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. Also, please contact me if you have a source or resource you'd like to share with everyone else. Speaking of sharing, A. Garcia will be joining us for the next podcast, bringing her domestic violence, boots-on-the-ground wisdom to the program. She's also going to be talking about something she calls post-traumatic growth. You don't want to miss it please join us. Thank you for listening today. I'm Dr. Dina McMillan.